0: friends welcome to the in the whisper podcast i'm your host nita wilkinson we all know that life is just plain hard sometimes join me each week as i talk to a girlfriend about their journey of overcoming and how it always leads back to jesus i am here today with amy Barbie. Barbie. excuse me i almost said barber i don't know why i do that um who I just met. Did you ever meet a girlfriend and it's just like an instant connection? Um, Amy and I had that. We have we've been together twice just the two of us talking and we just go off and talk about all kinds of things especially the bible and it's just great fun but i met her recently um she's volunteering for a program that i'm involved with called gifts with grace and when we were talking she shared a little bit about her past with us and amy has a great victory over substance abuse and it is such an amazing story i asked her to come on today to share that story with us so welcome amy i'm so glad you're here today
1: I'm very happy to be here also, thank you.
0: So just start with your story. Tell us a little bit about you and then um, about your story and how you ended up out in California and all of those things. All right, well, you know, I um,
1: am from, you know, Lakeview, Ohio, small town, small town Ohio, and uh, was raised not in a godly environment, but a, I guess, safe Mhm. Environment That makes sense. It was a bubble. Yeah. You know what I uh-huh. mean? Uh, I was never really subjected to God. I absolutely did not know who Jesus was, and I did not know that there was a Holy Spirit at all. That is something that in the past three years I've really began to realize that, I mean, there is a, a spirit there, an advocate, a absolutely.
0: comforter. And I'm really truly just tapping into that now. I have to tell you, every time you tell me that you're a new Christian of just three years, it is amazing to me because your maturity as a Christian is amazing. But we'll talk more about that in a while.
1: Certainly. And, you know, so, you know, I was adopted at birth. And with that comes... When you find that out, I found out in a very strange way. okay. I actually went to school with my biological brother and sister. And... My aunt was friends with my biological father. Okay. And the similarities were so uncanny that they put two and two together. Sure. And so I was maybe kindergarten, first grade when I found that out. And about that time, my biological, or my adopted father had killed himself. And so there was a lot going on in my life. Yeah. And my mom was beginning, she had just remarried. Um, because she and my adopted dad had divorced when I was really young.
0: Okay.
1: So there was, around the age of five and six, there was a very impactful series of events that kind of went on, and I I think that through that I developed this very warped misconception of who I was. Right. I could see where that would happen. And I began to withdraw in a, in a, in a sense, you know, okay. that's, that's about the time that I really started losing touch with who I was. And at such an early age, you have no idea who you are at that. Right. You know, but that void became just a dark gaping hole with inside with, that was inside of me. Right. I found that playing softball. I really connected to that. And so that's what I did right. from the time I was able to play T-ball until, you know, I got pregnant with my son in my senior year of high school. That's what I did. Uh-huh. I, I I threw myself into that activity right. and that became a, in a sense my identity. Right. All right. You and so my mother and the man that I knew as dad divorced. Um, she had an affair and we kind of went from, she was trying to escape the drugs. They were, they were into drugs. They were into alcohol. They, they were just living a very indulgent worldly life. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I knew. Right. You know, that was my, that was my normal. Right. Um, you work hard during the week, and on the weekends, you party really hard. <laughs> work hard, play hard. Yeah, You know, and there was no room for God. You know, up to that point, maybe when I would go to church was when somebody would get married in a funeral. Okay. And and I so that's what I associated that to. I associated it to a ceremony. Mm-hmm. I associated it to
0: uncomfortable clothes. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Which it's different now. Yes. So holidays christmas easter what were those to you um candy and gifts okay yeah okay.
1: you know what you didn't
0: you... equate that to any kind of religion no okay.
1: none okay. at all i i didn't have a knowledge of that at all okay you know people would say this is the day that jesus was born and this was the day that he died but like and I'm like died for sin. What is a sin? I didn't even really know what a sin was right. because my normal was sin. You yeah. know, my my normal was the world. It was right. it was that flesh. It was, you know, so I truly didn't have a conscious concept right. of what was going on. Sure. And so in the midst of that I began to have questions about my own, I guess, sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I really was on the fence. Am I attracted to men? Am I attracted to women? So now we're throwing that into the mix around middle school. (laughs) And so the man that my mother left my stepdad for was a complete 180 from what I was. This guy Uh was hardworking. He owned a business, he was successful, uh, but very controlling. Mm. And was open about not being happy with my presence being in the home. Uh. He kind of coveted my mom. He wanted her all to himself. Oh, yeah. And so from about the age of fifth grade, I would wake myself up in the morning, I would get myself ready. Oh my
0: god. I would,
1: you know, I would go about my days events and I would see my mom maybe around 5 or 6 in the evening. Uh-huh. And so now I have this very warped idea of what my reality and what my identity was and I am kind of raising myself and and taking care of myself and became I guess hyper-independent. Yeah. You know, and that's when this... I developed a very keen sense of rebelling against authority Uh in that moment because I was so alone and so independent. So you you couldn't tell me. And so... (laughs) somewhere around high school that all turned into a very deep-seated anger
0: yeah i could
1: see where that could happen and depression and i was suicidal i was depressed Uh. i was angry i completely withdrew i just stopped caring Mm -hmm. about the things around me and at the age of 15 i moved out of my mother's home and i moved in with a family that was showing me love, uh-huh. um, I thought it was love. Right. It, it truly wasn't, it was a very unhealthy thing, um, they in turn ended up adopting my son, but um, my senior year I went to a party and got pregnant,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I really struggled with how and what I was going to do with that because I had been so alone. Right. And with something like that, I was like, I can't do this by myself. So they convinced me to let them adopt my son. Well, basically what they were doing was they drew up false documents and they essentially kidnapped him and they took me to Pennsylvania and I had him there. And they isolated me even further from the people around me.
0: Oh, my good heavens.
1: Yes. Um, And in that, I found out that they were into money laundering. Oh, my I found out that they were into fraud. I found out, and they were on the run, and they actually went to prison. My son was in foster care in Canada. In Canada? In Canada. Um, He ended up in a boarding school, a Christian-based boarding school. I found him two years ago. Both of them have passed away, unfortunately, very unfortunately. Um, And I found him in a homeless shelter two years ago in Nebraska, and I paid to have him come back. And we're—this is a slow and very painful process for both of us. Yeah, Um, yeah. But we are— Yes, we're trying to, to... To build a relationship. We are, yes, yeah. yes. Um, so that kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Right. And before that, I was dealing with anger. I was dealing with depression. I was dealing with this. However, being in my sheltered little bubble, I wasn't subjected to the narcotics and the drugs and this lifestyle. I went from Pennsylvania to California. And so you take a girl who's from Lakeview, Ohio, <laughs> at the time was so small, it was a village. Yeah. You know, under a thousand people. And you put me in the middle of Los Angeles.
0: Because you didn't just go to California, you went to L.A. <laughs> I did, yes. <laughs> you do it up big. <laughs> yes. And
1: so within three months of me being there, I had such the spirit of rejection I had such a spirit of anger. I had such a spirit of rebelling against authority. I mean, there was, the Bible talks about Jesus meeting the guy who was legion. Like, I I was that guy. You know what I mean? Uh I was just, there was so much manifest around me um, that I truly, and at that time I started coming into the fact that, you know, I'm a homosexual. So then I was embracing that and embracing that culture. And what it was, was I was none of those things. I was just trying to fit in. And I was going to wherever that spirit of rejection would lead me to whatever I would feel. I would get this little glimmer of what I thought was love and acceptance. And what it was, was it was the enemy leading me further and further away from my creative identity. Right. I began to use methamphetamine, um... We actually went to an adult bookstore, a friend of mine, and while there, we were looking at this supplement, and the guy said, here, try this, and just slid it across the counter. And I went home, and I tried it, and from that moment, I was addicted.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Strong. (laughs) Yes.
1: You know, I had never experienced anything like that. Before that, I had might have maybe smoked marijuana two or three times, and I Mm -hmm. might have drank three or four times. And so to go from that to being a full-on addict, and after a period of time, you know, I just, I succumbed into the trenches. I became homeless. I was sleeping under a bridge. Um, I resorted to prostitution, to... Get my.
0: fix your habit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: If I was hungry, I would stand outside of a drive-through, and people would buy me cheeseburgers. Uh huh. Um, if I, whenever I needed, I got it off of the streets. Uh huh. And how long were you on the streets, so to speak? I I was about four years. Oh wow! I lived on the streets. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I began to use heroin intravenously, and was just so overrun with—for the first time, I felt nothing, and I was just completely numb, Uh and shut off to everything, and it felt right. Right. You know, I wasn't depressed, but I wasn't happy. You were anxious. I just was. Yeah. You know, and I remember having questions. I remember asking myself, or what I thought would be myself, you know, what is this life? Why would... I really didn't even understand what creation was. Right. But I'm like, why would something so meaningless be so painful? And why would I be created to just live... Or why would I be put here? Why was I born? It was like right, Job. Right. When Job was asking God, like, why did you? Right. And what I found was, I now know, and I actually just wrote about it yesterday. Yeah. I read it. <laughs> I learned that God is big enough for the wise.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And
1: once you begin to know who God is... Um, he begins to reveal those whys. And yeah. there's not a day in the past three years to where one of those questions that I asked wasn't answered.
0: Well, wow.
1: I was at the lowest of the low. I weighed maybe 85 pounds. Oh my golly. Um, I had just been um, attacked in a way. Um, I got attacked by a dog oh. and I, had my cheekbone fractured um i was pepper sprayed and basically i was wearing shoes that didn't have soles Mm -hmm. i just had the shoes on my feet yeah and um no shoelaces because when they pick you up in california they don't put you in jail for drugs they put you in the mental hospital oh wow and so They would take my shoelaces. And one of the jokes that I always was like, it's like, what do they do with all those shoelaces?
0: (laughs) Uh, um, That's a good question. (laughs) I need a light pink pair, so maybe I'll call there. (laughs) And and I,
1: I don't know why I would stick... But like, but where where are the shoelaces? Right. You know, um, I guess that's just my warp my warp philosophy. Just your way to deal. My way of coping, <laughs> right. you know, making light of the situation yeah. because I I've always been kind of a comedic type of person. Um, but I remember I was wearing a tie dyed Snoopy T shirt where he was just like it said Joe Cool on it, and he had his little sunglasses, yeah. and I had a pair of jeans that basically were so holy they and big, they were just falling off of me. um, And my face was swollen and black right. and blue, I mean, my and d- face— And you didn't go
0: to the doctor or anything, because— <laughs>
1: I, I did, as a matter of fact. I didn't go willingly. Um, oh. I was actually taken there, shackled by a police officer, um, because when he arrived at the scene, I was just belligerent. So mm-hmm. he actually hit me with his car. You know how they have those bumper things on yeah. the
0: front? Yeah, that's what that's for. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> you probably didn't know that before that either. No, but now I do. <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so
1: he, that's how he subdued me wow and um basically what i did was i i completely lost my mind Mm -hmm. and i walked into somebody's home Mm
0: -hmm. and they yeah
1: they defended their home luckily i wasn't in ohio and i was in california because had i been in ohio i could have been shot um right yes um, on the
0: homeowner yeah
1: you know but with with this they basically they removed me from their home they protected me from their children and it may have escalated right. into something, but I was completely belligerent. And, yeah. and I had, like I said, I was at the lowest of the low. Um, I was completely out of touch with reality. Right. And so this kind of began, <clears throat> this was, my birthday is June 20th,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this happened on June 21st. Okay. So it happened the day after my birthday. Um Two weeks later, I would say around July 8th, I was in a stolen car and I felt the need to get high. So I I pulled over and I guess it wasn't a overdose per se, but I definitely, did a little too much yeah yeah (laughs) I I crossed the line a bit there and was unconscious and for how long I don't know the door of the car was partially open and a gentleman I came to with somebody tapping on the window Mm -hmm. and it's that
0: click 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 click
1: all knowing flashlight that oh. every police officer carries <laughs> and i just remember what's so funny was i was blinded by the light <laughs> you know that's, yeah i did <laughs> that's awesome right and more than one way in that yeah, moment yeah. you know in the in the physical and in the spiritual and so when he when i realized and I got the light out of my eye, and I focused. I had stopped in the California Highway Patrol parking
0: lot. With your stolen car.
1: With my stolen car, mm-hmm. with a needle hanging out of my neck. And, yeah. and, um And in that moment, a lot of things began to flash mm-hmm. in front of me. And one of them was, I'm about to lose my freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, this yeah. is, this is, I had never been to jail before. Yeah. How, I don't know. Um, but I, that was something that always escaped me. Um, but I, but I still didn't care. Right. You know, I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, at least I'll have a place to sleep. I'll we'll have some warm. food. Yeah. Um, And so what he did in that moment was he collected me out of the car. And he took me to Denny's. And he fed me. Um, I didn't eat much, obviously, because of the state that I was in. And he introduced God to me. Not God, but Jesus uh-huh. to me for the first time. Yeah. Truly. And I didn't, and it wasn't through his words. It was through his actions. Right. And, and I realized at that moment that um, I had somewhat of a knowledge that there was a true love out there. Yeah. That I, But I didn't understand how divine in nature that moment was until mm-hmm. really years later. Right. And he told me about a rehabilitation facility. And I lived in Palm Springs, California at the time when this happened. And the, the facility was in San Bernardino, so it was about an hour away from where I lived. And he took me to the Greyhound bus station and bought me a ticket and gave me a $100 bill. And he said, I don't ever want to see you again. Yeah. You know, you, and if I do... Um,
0: it's not going to go like this. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm not going to be as, as forgiving and gracious. So the gentleman that was there in the baggage claim, because there was a wait, I began to talk to him. And he was like, oh... My cousin works at that facility. And keep in mind, we're 100 miles apart. Right. She ended up becoming my case manager.
0: Oh, really? Her cousin?
1: His cousin. His cousin, okay. Was my case manager in this facility. I didn't understand how divine in nature all of these interactions were. And so I was just kind of going with it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um but in this very swift and sudden way god just swept in and changed my life in that moment right and i went in there and i went i started going to rehab um i was going to aa meetings i was learning about my higher power mm-hmm. and there were some women in there that were christian women and they began to tell me about who jesus was and i was like i really I have no idea what's what this is, right. I, you know, and, and I still didn't pick up the Bible for myself. I still didn't do that. Um, and after I was there for 90 days, it was supposed to only be for two weeks, but by the grace of God, it just kept getting extended and st- extended um, somehow, some way that got paid for. And I don't ever know how my stay got paid for because the state would only cover two weeks, but something paid for the whole 90 days. There was a grace given there. And I was able to do the full 90 days. And then I did 18 months outpatient. And when I got out, I was going to church. There's actual AA and NA meetings that I started that are still going on to this day in, in the
0: greater LA area. That's amazing.
1: Yes, you know, and you think about how that transcends. Yeah. You know, how that one act of kindness from that police officer led to all of this all of this yeah you know and and the bible says there's there's angels amongst us Mm -hmm. and i I truly believe that it's each one of us and our good works and right and how we help and minister to one another yeah and so you know i from there kind of backslid because i truly didn't i didn't pick up the truth and i didn't i didn't ask jesus i didn't have a prayer life
0: Mm -hmm. but you didn't backslide with the drugs no Not at all. You were able to beat that habit in that rehab center.
1: I was. You know, I, yes, I didn't beat it. It was just completely, I believe that I was delivered from it. in a very swift and sudden way yeah. just like with that i've had so many damascus moments in my life <laughs> right. you know that's the way the holy spirit works with me it's like okay i'm done so swiftly and suddenly just like it says when jesus returns it's going to be like a flash of lightning you right. know that's the way it was for me it just changed my entire life
0: right and you talked about um that you you, you talked about you were there and you don't know how the rest got paid for, but probably two weeks wouldn't have been enough for you. Do you think? And and somehow, to this day, you don't know how it was paid for.
1: No, two weeks definitely would not have been enough. Yeah, that I was, don't think
0: it ever would be for anyone.
1: No, not when you're dealing with, you know. Hard drugs. People have to realize that while God was in it and Jesus was in it and he delivered me from it, There was a skill set that I was lacking Mm -hmm. that I just fundamentally wasn't raised with. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn how to be a productive person. They had to teach me how to work, how to get a job, how to be responsible, how to do a resume. I had to learn life skills. Mm -hmm. I had to learn how to communicate. I had to learn how to connect to other people. I had to learn how to not live in this level of self-loathing and rejection and guilt and shame and condemnation.
0: Yeah, that doesn't come in two weeks.
1: No, it, so. I'm still working on it today. No, so <laughs> we all are,
0: but it's just it's it, it's I haven't heard that part of your story before, and that struck me. You know that two weeks wasn't enough, and God provided what you needed. He did to never go back to drugs. And you know the crazy thing is, when I got out, there was money there for me, so
1: I could buy groceries, and then I ended up going. I ended up in a sober living, and so it was a very structured living. Um, right. You know, I was like a kid again. Um, I was, you know, there was a woman who, she rented out rooms in her home and we had curfews and we had to maintain a job and we had to clean and we had to, Yeah. so I did that for a little bit and, and I learned some life skills
0: there. Right. Yes. And I learned
1: how to obey authority,
0: you know, (laughs) yes. Which you had trouble with in high school. (laughs) I think we all have trouble with that in high school, but you never, (laughs) never gained that. Yeah. Oh. So that's awesome. So I didn't realize someone paid for you to be there longer. I I knew that it had um, helped release you from needing those drugs. I know that, that the payment came from who knows where. And
1: I have no idea where it came from. I don't know if it came from the state. I don't know if someone paid it. I have absolutely no idea how I was able to stay there for that
0: 90 days. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. Okay, so you're out in the world. I'm out in the world. And you're productive. I am. And you have life skills. <laughs> and I do. And
1: I'm learning life school skills. And so then um, I met someone and entered into a relationship, and that someone was a woman. Mm-hmm. And... They were also living the sober life and we were being productive and we were doing things and everything seemed so right. And for the first time, I truly knew what it was like to be happy. Right. And I've come to realize through that, one, even after that relationship ended, she was truly just my best friend. Uh Uh-huh. And it was a warped sense of love because I still didn't understand how to love. Right. And her family loved me. And they accepted me. Uh-huh. And so for the first time, I experienced that. The unfortunate thing was um, she was a very sick person. And um, she ended up taking her life.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I did not know that.
1: And I um, I went dark again. Mm-hmm. I completely sure. closed up. And I became very angry with God. Yeah. The God that I didn't know. What it was, was I should have been angry with the enemy because right. that's who, who robbed right. that person of their life. Right. That's who continued to try to rob me of my identity. Yeah. But I'd heard, I didn't really know who Jesus was, and I certainly didn't know who, who the enemy was, right. who Satan was. Right. You know, um, and so I went back into this pit and this
0: darkness. Because you, you felt like you had found your identity. And then it was all ripped from you, so you're back to, who am I, why am I here? Right. Okay, yeah. And so from there,
1: I didn't go back to drugs, but I definitely went back to Mm self-loathing. I definitely went back to depression, suicidal thoughts and tendencies, um, anxiety, anger. It was like a scab was ripped off, and I had this gaping hole. And I explain it as... Until we truly are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, we're walking around with this round shaped hole in us and we're trying to shove a square peg inside of it. And it feels really great for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then the darkness starts to come in again and it starts to creep. And so, one of the things that I tell people is the the devil doesn't even know his own identity because he's been trying to mimic God.
0: Right. For so long. For so
1: long. Yeah you know he has no idea even who his identity is and that's why he is so angry with us because he he, he, when he decided that he was going to rebel against god he robbed himself of his own identity and he began to hate us because we are god's children mm-hmm. and he doesn't want us to have anything that he couldn't have right so he's like a spoiled little kid <laughs>
0: really who is. wants to
1: go around and he's constantly overplaying his hand you know because as the bible says All things work out for the greater good for those who are called to God's, you know, into God's calling. And so everything that happened to me, I truly believe, was a part of God's plan. Right. Because when you look... People have this misconception, and I lived with it for so long, that when you find God and you do this and you do that, your life is supposed to be just this prairie full of wildflowers. And, you know, it's, yes, rainbows and butterflies. and there Dancing are, bears, that's what I was saying. Right. <laughs> right but then you learn about Paul.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you learn about Job. And you learn that in our weaknesses, we are made strong. Right. And you learn that if I didn't go through these things... I wouldn't be able to have the story that I have, and you don't know what reason that is, and you may never right. know why. Um, I guess at the end of the day is, I'm not meant to know why. All I have to do is just get myself out of the way and keep putting one foot in front of the other and doing what God tells me to do. Right. Um, but. And through all of that, we went through a period from the time I was about 24, 25 until 37, to where there was a lot of darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in and out of relationships with this woman or that woman, and I was constantly looking, looking and seeking. And back to, I thought that I had a firm grip on who my identity was, but I had no idea what my who I was at all. Right. And I even entered into a marriage with a woman and we were married for approximately seven years we were living in Colorado and Denver uh-huh. and I got involved in voodoo and and just full-on that's frightening
0: full-on <laughs> Satanism yeah yeah drew um, your relationship with with your partner yes okay, okay. yes.
1: Um, and I was pursuing a career in comedy. I was traveling all over the United States doing comedy and things like that. Um, I really thought, hey, this is it. Yeah. I have connected to a power, you know. Right. Because that's what I was always looking for. I have always been able to see things, feel things. Um, I, I knew that there was a power out there that we could tap into uh, just because of the giftings that God created me with. Right. Um, and when I met these people, I'm like, there's that power. And that's why I say, Satan, and I tell people all the time, I saw the things that the enemy's capable of doing, those quote-unquote signs and wonders. Yeah. So something to think about is, at the whisper of Jesus' name, all of that has to flee. Right. So... I, that's where I come in. Satan is just a fraud and he is a false, and he has been falsely replicating the power that God and the Holy Spirit have to offer us. And again, I was not looking for God in that. I mean, I was full on into the darkness. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty dark. (laughs) Yes. And so I was sitting on my couch and, just like you and I are having this conversation now, came out of nowhere. I said, I need to go to a church. And my my partner was like, what? And I said, I have to go to a church. And it was a Tuesday, and I'm looking all over for a church, all over for a church, all over for a church, because something came over me. And I like to use Job a lot, because I truly believe in that moment I came in contact with God mm-hmm. and I had that moment because I've read the stories of like Isaiah of Job of that when they come in contact with the presence of God you become very aware mm-hmm. of how corrupt and wicked our heart is and mm-hmm. there was this fear and it wasn't like I guess I truly understand what reverential fear is because I believe that I encountered God in that moment. Right. And I just hit my knees and I said, I have to go to a church. And my life changed. And I, this was three years ago. It was in two, it was in August of 2017. And I looked all over for a church and I found one and it was a Calvary Baptist church. And there were, Probably 2,000
0: people in this church. On a Tuesday. That's what's amazing to me. <laughs> right?
1: Right. You don't find it that a lot. It looked like they were doing a worship thing. Uh-huh. You know, they were they were playing music and they were kind of, it was like, I don't really know what was going on. Yep. Um, because again, I was completely out of my mind. Yeah. And I flung the doors of that church open. And I there could have been one person in there. There could have been 50,000 people in there. Um, and when I flung those doors open, it was like in a movie. Like <laughs> the only thing that was lacking was the white handkerchief waving. <laughs> and I was like, "I'm dying!" And I yelled this, and the echo—I can still hear that in my mind. And I ran through the through, and I laid myself down at the altar, and I believed. I guess that was my first altar call, and I had no idea what was, <laughs> was going what on was. because I didn't control myself. But I remember the whole way there. The enemy kept trying to divert me and right. kept trying to distract me because I was looking for this church and I kept getting in the wrong path and I was so determined. I was like, nope, this is going to happen and that's where it's like, greater is he who is in me than he who is right. in the world. There was a battle and there was a, there was a fight and that fight went on for a year and a half afterwards. Yeah. It was a constant daily battle for my mind. And I, um, when I hit the floor... And I don't know how long I was there, but when I came to, everyone in that church had their hands on, and they were just praying and praying and praying. And to this day, it's still one of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah. And I stood up, and I remember looking down on the floor, and I remember seeing there was just a piece of me still there in that fetal position. And I... I amazing. I took a vow that day. Um, You spared my life. And as a result of that, I am going to dedicate to you 100%. And and that's what I've been doing. I have, granted, I still have my ups and downs. I still have my insecurities. I still have my, you know, anxieties. And I still have all of those things. Your humanness. Yes, yes. (laughs) You know, because I say that to my friends all the time. I'm like, I don't want to feel this human anymore. That's, you know? like totally related <laughs> to that. You know? Because I know <laughs> what it's like in those moments when the Holy Spirit just comes in and grabs a hold of you. Right. And it's so powerful and it's so beautiful and it's so divine. Right. And it's like a piece of heaven on earth. You truly know in those moments what heaven's going to be like. Right. You know? and And you experience a love that there's no word for. Right.
0: That's bigger than we understand.
1: Completely out of our realm of comprehension. Yeah. And um, and it's just been this
0: incredible journey over the past three years. Yeah. I want to go back to a couple of things. You talked about you're sitting on the couch with your partner and, and you felt the need to go to church and you did it. So even though... You're into voodoo and Satanism. When the Holy Spirit spoke to you, somehow through all of that, you heard it and you obeyed it. And you and I were talking before we started the podcast and you said that when the officer sent you on the bus with the hundred dollars, that there were times that you thought, well, I could just, you know, you went past a casino and there were things you thought you could do. And it was like something was holding you in the bus. And so the Holy Spirit had its fingers in you for years before you even knew what it was. I love that part of your story. So your obedience is amazing to me. Your obedience when you don't even know what you're obeying. Like now you know when God speaks to you, you need to obey him. But you didn't know that then, and yet you did it. Why do you think that is? That's something that I've prayed
1: about. A lot mm-hmm. um, you know how how did you find me yeah and I always just go back to that prodigal son yeah well, he truly will leave the 99 for that one yeah but to be perfectly honest as I've said to you before um, I truly believe that there were people praying for me yeah that I will never know and like I was telling you earlier if we ever get that moment to where we get to ask Jesus, that one question when we meet him is, can you show me the people that were right. praying for me in those moments that just, because there was, it was nothing of my doing. Right. It had, right.
0: Right. Yes. Because you
1: didn't know. I didn't. I didn't. And, and, it's, and
0: not only did you not know, you were immersed in Satanism. Yes. Complete darkness. And the Holy Spirit was able to reach you through that, but you didn't know. That is just, I mean, that, those are the miracles that, you know, we read about in the Bible and we don't think happen today. Yes, they do. You are living yes. proof of that.
1: Oh, they happen every day. I, I yeah. see it happen every day, you know, and to elaborate, I, in that time I met and I was like, I, I want to know who you are. Show me who you are. And so he would start to show me. He would show me things and this is why it's so important to read your Bible because Absolutely. everything that he is is in there. Mm-hmm. Everything that he is is in there. Right. He has revealed to me that he is my husband, my father. He's even my friend. Right. He doesn't want me to just follow him. He wants me to walk with him. Right. Um and after that, I began to fully understand what sin was. And I said, you know, what am I doing? i read and i'm like you know reveal to me my true nature and what isn't of me and i'm still learning what my identity is right because i lived for so long for 37 years i lived of not knowing who i truly was but thinking i did right so there was a lot of deception there um and i said you know i went to that verse not all who call out to me will inherit the kingdom and i said god jesus dad what am i doing that would cause you to say, depart from me. And he led me to 1 Corinthians 6, where it defined what we were doing. And the one that struck out to me was the homosexuality. Mm -hmm. And I realized, but then the verse underneath says, but you were washed and you were made new and you were, you know, you were sanctified and made clean. And I was and I began to pray, if this is not of you, you need to remove this from me. I don't want to just live in this turmoil. I don't right. want to live with this temptation. Take it from me. Mm-hmm. And he truly did. He took every desire and every want for that, plus so many other things away from me. Right. People tend to focus on that part of my story. That's the part that really gets them. But I guess that's because that's the where we're at in society. You know right. what I mean? We've heard of addiction stories. We've heard of this. Um, but... I look at everything that he's done in my life over the, the course of, of the 40 years that I've been on this planet as it's just been this one miraculous moment after another. And I explain to people, he gives us the authority in his name to raise the dead because I was dead. Yeah. To heal the sick because I was sick. hmm. To cast out devils because I had devils. Right. And. I said, and to cleanse the lepers, and I said, and if you looked at my spirit, my spirit was, I was a spiritual leper. I was a walking, talking, sick, contagious person. Yeah. And not contagious in a good way. Right, (laughs) right. I was a very toxic person. And he, in that verse, took all of that, and he made me new.
0: Yeah. Yes. I love that part of your story, too. So when we talked about it the first time, you talked about going to church not long after that and being in church and you truly felt that leave you. Do you want to talk a little bit about tell your that part of your story? Sure.
1: So I came home and I connected with my mom because mm-hmm. I needed somebody. And, right. and God led me home and she's been living with me for the past three years. And basically I was like, I'm not going to church. There was a lot of there's a lot of I didn't want any part of a Christian. Um, so we started watching Robert Morris on TV and I, am like, he's the way I go to church now. Cause I'm like, I like him. He's not judging people. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's not condemning people. So I started going to church and, um, I just continued to pray because when you're involved in darkness and I was involved in spiritism. So I yeah. was involved, I was inviting spirits into my life. Mm-hmm. Voodoo. You do a lot with the principalities that you yeah. hear about in Ephesians 6. Yeah. Um, so I was under a lot of stronghold. Mm-hmm. And so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for that to be for help. And right. That, you know, um, there was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of fasting. There was a lot of repenting. There was a lot of rebuking. And I was in the church. um One Sunday morning, and I could feel something just moving on me, and I just held on, and I just started praying and praying and praying and praying, and whatever that was got off of me. It lifted up, um, because there was truly a battle for my mind. I was hearing things. I was seeing things. Um, You know, I was sick still and this is a year after right. this Damascus experience at this church in Colorado um, but I just I wasn't going to give up. I mm-hmm. was I was relentless in my passionate pursuit of God and
0: and his passionate pursuit of you. Yes, together.
1: Yeah. Yes. And they were doing worship and they're just a singing and I'm sitting there and whatever this was got off of it just picked up off of me and it ran down the aisle of the church and the front doors blew open and every car alarm in the parking lot went off i went home and went to bed for about 5 days and yeah. when i woke up i was a new person yeah it was like i used to be able to feel something like a hand right gripping my heart it truly felt like mm-hmm. the life was being sucked out of me
0: yeah It was a spiritual battle.
1: Yes. And the way we connect is through our love. Right. As 1 Corinthians 13. Yep. If we do anything and there is no love. So as long as the enemy had a hold of my heart. And I truly believe that's why that scripture, don't go to bed angry. Because once it leaves your mind and it enters your heart, it's so hard to get rid of. And once it enters your heart, you are truly being cut off from God. And
0: that's a good analogy. Yes. Yeah, I never thought of it that way.
1: Yes, and so once my heart was set free, and that heart of stone became a heart of flesh. Yeah. I um, began to understand scripture so much more. I began to hear the word of God like
0: you wouldn't believe. I um, there was just this fire. Yeah. That. You do have a fire, and it just, you can just almost see the Holy Spirit around you as you speak, and um, we connected immediately, and I just, I love your story. I love that you were obedient when you didn't know you were being obedient. I love how God just took your, um, he, he just, he took that desire for drugs away from you in in rehab, and you got extra time, but you haven't had that temptation since you got out he just got his hands into you and i can't wait to see where your life goes because he has big plans for you he did you didn't go through all of this you know i mean it's gonna you do you do bible studies at your work which i think is amazing yes and so i'm really it's gonna be fun to watch you continue to grow and go on this journey so thank you for sharing. I know that's a difficult story, and I so appreciate that you're willing to share it so that other people can see there is victory on the other side, and Jesus will come after you. You have to open yourself up, and uh, so I just, I love that. So at the end of every podcast, I ask a couple of questions. The first one is, what is your verse that's getting you through right now, your your Bible verse that you just lean on when when you need something? So Psalm
1: 51,
0: um, verse 10 and 11. Create in me a clean heart, O
1: God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do
0: not take your Holy Spirit from me. That's a great one to lean into, especially especially right now. <laughs> and what's bringing you joy right now? Oh, man. You're such a joy-filled person now. So Yes.
1: I... I... What brings me joy is the fact that every day that he wakes me up is another opportunity to go and share who he is with others. Right. And that is my focus. Um, That is so much my focus that, like you said, even at work. Yeah. There's this ministry, and so I get paid. (laughs) I love that. And he provides for me. Yeah. And I not only for the. My coworkers, but the employees, or for the customers when they come in. And I am so blessed to have bosses that
0: embrace that. That is, that is just, that is an amazing blessing to have. I agree. Um, And I don't typically ask this, but because it's November, I'm going to ask, what are you thankful for right now? Is it Thanksgiving month? I, you know, the one thing that I give thanks for every
1: day is the fact that we have a father in heaven who loved us so much that in spite of our tendency to be wicked right that he gave us his son right and that jesus loved us so much and was so obedient that he came here he left heaven yeah where it was perfect and there was no pain and there was no hurt Mm -hmm. and I don't think people realize what the moment that he was hung on that cross and he became our sin, God can't dwell in the presence of, of sin. Right. So God turned away from Jesus. like God turned away from his son in that moment. Yeah. And I'm thankful that when he rose, that the victory was ours. Yeah. And never again do we have to ever live in that guilt that shame or that condemnation right that we can declare that victory and that we each have the opportunity to go and spend an eternity with him
0: absolutely and satan will try to use guilt and shame and all the things and lies to yes. deceive us but jesus died all you have to do is believe that jesus died for your sins his and grace is sufficient this everything else that we do is
1: a bonus. Right. And it's
0: kingdom building. Yeah. But we just have to have that belief. It's that simple. It is. It is. And and you've been through so many not simple things to get to the most simple thing. That's I so would awesome. do it
1: all three hundred million times over yeah. to to know that just like Paul said, our life is nothing I'm sorry, James, our life is nothing but a vapor. Yeah. And so no matter what happens, it seems like it's such a long process, right, from birth till death, and like like um, Solomon says, he finds that things are meaningless. And yeah, they are meaningless. But everything works up to that. I believe two questions at the end, or two things at the end of it all, and that's when we're standing in front of Jesus. And he looks at us and says, well done, my good and faithful one. Or he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah. And so that is my motivation
0: for each day. Right.
1: You know, what? what is he going to say to me?
0: Right. Absolutely. Yes. I'm right with you. I want the well done. Yeah. Most certainly. Thank you so much, Amy, for spending this time with me today. Um next week we have Angie Vertucci and she is going to talk about some abuse that she had in her own life and how she overcame that. So thank you for listening and until next time, I'm Nita Wilkinson.